So who do we trust, huh? Like always, me and Dee. Welcome to Me and Thee and Three, a Starsky and Hutch fan podcast. I'm Monica. I'm Jen. And I'm Rachel. And we're three friends who have fallen deeply into Starsky and Hutch fandom. So, uh, I thought that we would introduce ourselves by answering the very important question that all Starsky and Hutch fans probably have to answer at some point. Are you a Starsky girl, a Hutch girl, or does that question set up a false dichotomy? So I guess um, it's only fair if I start. And I I find this question a little, um, uh, you know, it kind of pigeonholes you somewhat. But I would have to say I'm a Hutch girl. And the reason for this is it's not that I think Hutch is sexier or better because I actually think Starsky is both of those, but I like to see Hutch go through emotional and physical trauma and I like stories that center on him and I like, um, I also like the fact that, uh, my mother's maiden name is Hutchinson, and she also comes from Minnesota, so I know he's a fictional character, but I'm probably related to him. You can dream. <laughs> I also like that he's such a dork. Um, one of my all-time favorite lines in an any, in any episode is in Vendetta, when he enters his apartment and says, Hello, plants. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great line. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, do you want to go next? Uh, okay, so this is difficult because if absolutely pushed to choose one, I think I'd have to say I'm a Starsky girl. However, I want very different things from mm-hmm. each of them is the problem. So it's like, yeah, we have Hutch, and I really like seeing Hutch suffer. Good. But I really like seeing Starsky, like, angsting and having, like, that anger and that, like, problem with trying to figure out, like, what to do, having having crises of morality, maybe, I, I want to say. But he often has those because Hutch is suffering, so you're in this luck. This is true. This <laughs> is true. I mean, this is why it's such a perfect show. Um, I'm Jen. As... <laughs> As for me, I, to quote the great Huggy Bear, a Starsky without a hutch is like the pig without the pork. And I really, it's not that I can't pick which one I like better. It's that I often find the two of them, when separated from each other, much less interesting overall. So ultimately, what I find most interesting about the show is their interaction with each other, is their dynamic between each other, and the give and take. And it's hard to pick just one side of that to be in favor of. So I'm sorry, but that's a false dichotomy. 
you said that, but you also said in your answer, I could pick which one I like better. So now I'm wondering, which one do you like better? Well, you know, I go back and forth, but because Monica is such a hutch girl, I wind up compensating with extra Starsky love often uh, because we are roommates. So if push came to shove, I would say that I was a Starsky girl because he is incredibly funny and uh, empathetic and his eyelashes are very pretty. They are princess eyelashes. He has princess eyes. I just want everyone to understand this now that there's a, a little TM by that, you know? Princess, princess eyes. TM. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jen, you and Sturski are both from the East Coast. It's true. It's true. I do, I do have extra affection for characters who are from the Northeast, who are from the New York metro area. So there's that too. And that doesn't help you at all, Rachel, because you're both from the East Coast and the Midwest in a well, confusing way. Sort of, yes. I mean, if you can count be living on the East Coast until you're three, but it kind of works with Starsky because it was, you know, some people theorize he was sent away as a child. Because he's so. the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think since this is our very first uh, podcast episode, maybe we should talk a bit about how we um, came to become fans of Starsky and Hutch and what our fandom experience has been so far. And I went first last time. Um, but Okay, but our answer... <laughs> I can speak for both myself and Rachel, is that Monica basically tied us up and made us watch it. Okay, okay. She did not tie us up. Well, maybe she tied you up. But she uh, said to me, hey, do you want to watch this episode, which happened, I think, to be Shootout. Was that, does that sound right? Shootout is one of my favorites. All right. And the thing is, I've been wanting to watch this show for the past, oh, seven years, maybe. I'd even purchased season one, but it just sat on my shelf. So this actually gave me an excuse to watch it, so I jumped at the chance. And what can I say? That's the rest <laughs> is history. I'm glad that shootout sucked you in because I think that's uh, it's a very well crafted episode. I should correct myself. The first Darcy and Hatch episode that I watched was a couple of years ago, and it was the fix, and that was the first time that Monica attempted to drag me into the fandom. And while I was, uh. Certainly taken by the amount of cuddling in that episode. <laughs> astounded, I believe, is a more correct... Uh... As- astounded would be accurate, yes. Um, I honestly find everything else about that episode kind of boring. When Hutch is not strung out on heroin, I just don't care. Mm-hmm. And so I watched it and I said, oh, I-, I see where the shipping comes from and that was it. But we were in a half-price books about a year ago. Was it a year at this point? I think. Oh. It was your birthday last year that I bought it for you. So about a year ago, we were in Half Price Books, and I noticed that they had the full series uh, on DVD on the shelf, and we had a 50% off coupon. So I said, hey, Monica, you like this thing and you don't own it, so happy birthday. Little did I know what I was signing myself up for. (laughs) I, I believe that as you showed it to me in the store, I warned you that if you bought that, you would be watching it with me, and you were okay with that. And continue to be, thankfully. Um, Yeah, I first got into Starsky and Hutch fandom. I don't remember how long ago, but I'll just kind of guess maybe about eight years ago. Because I am a Hurt Comfort fan. 
and I kind of seek out fandoms that have a lot of hurt comfort, and Starsky and Hutch has got to be one of the most hurt comforty shows I've ever seen. So I think um, I'd read fic that were was for other fandoms, but would say in the description, this fanfic is based off of the episode A Coffin for Starsky, or this fic is based off of the episode The Fix from Starsky and Hutch. And I ran into that, I think, in Life on Mars fandom, um, and maybe somewhere else. And it just occurred to me, if people feel that this show is such satisfying hurt comfort that they're basing their fanfics off of plots of it, I should probably check out the show. And I wasn't wrong. And so I read fic and I watched, um, maybe like the first two seasons. And then I just kind of faded out because... I, when you're in a fandom alone, it, it gets kind of lonely. And uh, and then eight years later, Jen offered to buy me the DVDs. And I still have not seen all the episodes, but I've seen many more of them now. And But having Rachel and Jen to talk to about the fandom has definitely made me a lot more passionate for it than I was the first time around. I would also like to just comment there that... Uh... Really, we have the fic writers to thank that we're all in this fandom. So thank you, fic writers. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> there are so many talented fic writers in this fandom and in adjacent fandoms. I'll also say that I unfortunately saw the 2004 movie uh, <laughs> when I was in high school. And uh, I remember thinking it was kind of dumb. And my parents thought it was fairly amusing. And they were like, hey... Those guys in that scene are the original Starsky and Hutch. And I nodded and completely forgot that it existed for several years after. So, unfortunately, that was technically my first exposure to the series. I mean, same. I watched it in my Ben Stiller phase, so... <laughs> um, I definitely remember seeing people talking about it, but I, I always felt like I would eventually watch it. But I felt I should finish the series first, and then I just kind of petered out on the series. Um... I did enjoy the movie because as we were watching it, I completely forgot that um, the actors had the cameo at the end. So then when they appeared on the screen, I was like, oh, right. And that scene was so good. And I love that so many vidders use that scene in their vids to show old Starsky and Hutch. And even if only just for the fact that that footage exists, I quite like the movie. The movie itself is pretty stupid. I just want to rescue Snoop Dogg from it. <laughs> like, you were the best thing about this movie and you do not deserve to be in this. <sighs> I'm always baffled that um, I've run into several places that describe not the Snoop Dogg Huggy, but original Huggy, Huggy as a pimp. And, like, I remember reading an article about the TV show that came out, like, around the time the movie came out, maybe. Or it was when the movie, the, the TV show came out on DVD. And it was like, yeah, and Antonio Fargas plays Huggy Bear, a pimp, who is also their informant. It's like, wait, he's a restaurant owner? I don't... <laughs> chinchilla salesman. <laughs> and chinchilla... Wait. An entrepreneur. And, <laughs> yes. And, and rat racer. <laughs> the rat racing is my favorite. I, I think they were mice. Anyway. Yeah, they were mice. Huggy has many jobs, but we never actually see him be a pimp, so I think calling him that is an odd... Yeah. An odd choice. Now we're just watching Monica's cat lick herself. 
going to use this moment to put my glass down <laughs> so it doesn't clink. We had a Starsky and Hutch viewing party a couple months ago, and we made um, Torino-inspired mixed drinks. It was just like a red margarita mix. Um, but we also bought this drink called Kinky because of the line, Hey, you guys really are straight. Well, in a kinky sort of way. Plus, Kinky <laughs> is a red drink with a white label on it. Yes. So that also helped. But the piece de resistance, I shouldn't try to pronounce French when Rachel's around, <laughs> was the liqueur Sweet Revenge, which I think is required drinking for any Starsky and Hutch viewing party. Yes. Now I admit I did not try the Sweet Revenge, but I you guys said it was quite strong, right? It was very strong and very tasty. I would just add a little splash to some like uh, pink lemonade and that was enough. Yeah, putting in lemonade or Sprite or something like that. We'll make you try it next time. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. <laughs> um, bringing up French, uh, I don't know how many of you know this, but uh, when Starsky and Hutch was dubbed into French, they added a theme song that Rachel has fallen in love with. And you've also been watching f- the French dubs on YouTube, is that correct? All right. I haven't properly watched a full episode, uh, but when I do, I will definitely report more back. Um, but yes, I have been watching, like, downloading them, uh, to watch, and, uh, one memorable moment is during the fix, uh, instead of David Soule's voice, of course, we get the French dub actors, and when Starsky is cradling him, he whimpers a lot more than David Soule did. So let's, just, like, let's say that. <laughs> non-stop whimpering during yes, that scene. Yes, yes. There's one point where Hutch retches. But French Hutch does not retch. He just whimpers harder. <laughs> I mean, the few times I've retched, I've wanted to whimper also. So fair. Well, maybe French people don't vomit. They they just <laughs> French people are, are peeper. <laughs> <laughs> French people are too classy to vomit. Yeah. Um. Uh, do you have any of the lyrics from the theme song memorized? Can you sing um, it? Oh god, I can't sing it well. Um, if you don't mind that I'm totally off tune. I do not mind. Alright. Um, Starsky et Hutch. Starsky et Hutch. De nouveau chevalier au grand cœur, mais qui, qui gagne toujours à la fin. Starsky et Hutch. Starsky et Hutch. De un peu toujours la fin. See, I messed up. I messed up the third line there. Um, I don't remember what it was. That's okay. But... I, I thought it sounded good. <laughs> thank you, can thank you. Can you. you translate some of that for our listeners? All right. Starsky and Hutch, Starsky and Hutch. That's pretty simple. Um, the new knights... Uh, and see, this is the, not the line I can't remember. Um, and then Starsky and Hutch, Starsky and Hutch... Uh, two guys, a bit funny and silly, um, who always win in the end. Now, my favorite line actually comes in a later verse. Uh, well, two of my favorite lines. Um, one is that Huggy always knows where the bad guys are. uh, And I love that nod to Huggy. And there's also the line in the second verse, which does not make it into the TV show opening, unfortunately. It's only in the proper full version of the song. Uh, when there's a girl, they never uh, can get between the two. 
That's true. It is one of the best lines. I mean, I feel like the the French uh, theme song writers knew what they were talking about. Exactly. They knew why people were watching this show, even though people like James Gunn possibly don't. We we will (laughs) reserve judgment on that. Um, I do have my reservations, but we will see what happens. Uh, that um, lyric about a girl never coming between them reminds me of that uh, 1984 Playgirl I bought. That it's uh, role models for romance, and it's uh, couples and the lessons about romance you can learn from them. They're not necessarily good lessons. Like they have Lady Macbeth, and Macbeth is one of the couples. As you can see, that's not necessarily an actual romantic ideal. But uh, they list Starsky and Hutch as one of the couples, and they start off their section by saying, Starsky and Hutch are the greatest TV couple of all time. Accurate. (laughs) And then go on to say that whenever there's a girl, she ends up going blind or catching a disease, and that they never have to break up. Which actually isn't necessarily true, but close enough. The Mm -hmm. spirit of it is true. The best part of it is that there's a page turn after the line, Starsky and Hutch are the greatest love story of all time. So at first, when Monica showed me that magazine, I thought that was it. (laughs) They were just saying that, and then that, what else do you need to say? They they won TV romance, so the the game is over. It's true. (laughs) We should do a dramatic reading of that whole thing at some point. Oh, definitely. Sure. It's only like two paragraphs. Yeah. One of my few other exposures to Starsky and Hutch before I ever watched it was the cinematic masterpiece, Dickie Roberts' Former Child Star. (laughs) This is a terrible movie. In which uh, David Spade, I think it was David Spade, uh, plays a former child star who is desperately clinging to an attempt to retain his 15 minutes of fame as an adult. And he circulates a rumor about himself that David Soul is his illegitimate father. And he keeps up this ruse for a very long time. And then finally, he confesses to a friend, David Soul is not really my father. And his friend says, was it Starsky? (laughs) It was one of only two jokes in the entire movie that made us laugh. Yeah. But it was worth it. Well, it was a great joke, and the delivery was great. I don't know if it actually made the movie worth it. I had to watch it for a project. Monica (laughs) chose to watch it with me, for the record. I mean, that's friendship. Yeah. Well, um... I do do have a question. I mean, it's just sort of a generic, like... Um... So what what are we all reading these days? I have a few... Starsky and Hutch fig authors that I like to reread my favorite stories of theirs. Um, I haven't been reading a lot of new Starsky and Hutch fiction the last few weeks. I haven't been reading much at all because I have been super busy. Uh, so I will report back next time. Uh, as for me, I've been mostly just sort of jumping around, um, reading mostly short stuff. Um, these days, because that's what I can grab. I'm sticking to AO3 right now, but um, I'm looking... I mean, obviously this will come out once much, much of the advent calendar has been revealed, but I look forward to uh, seeing what else is put up there for the new stuff. 
I actually started writing a fic that's not supposed to be very long, and I don't know how long they take submissions to the advent calendar, but if I actually finish it in the next, like, week, I might ask if I can still submit it. Well, Flamingo did recently post with the first day of the advent calendar going up that they are still accepting works, and they will <laughs> accept through most, most of the month, okay. so... Well, then Go for it. I am excited to see what uh, what else is going to be in the advent calendar. Yeah. And I'm excited for your fic. If I write it. You're I don't, going to. I'm I, going to make you. I mean, I have to vid and I've got so many fan works on the table. Uh, can we talk about Starsky and Hutch vids? Oh my god, yes. There are so many good vids and I think one of the my favorite things about Starsky and Hutch vids is that there's so much great footage of them touching each other, of them cradling each other, interacting with each other, like, not even to mention, like, interacting with other characters and stuff, but, like, some shows, like, I was really into House for a long time, and House is a great show, and House and Wilson, like, have a lot of really deep emotional scenes together, but they don't have a huge number of scenes together, like, Wilson would usually be in, like, three scenes per episode or less, uh... And so I think a lot of the vids kind of use the same scenes over and over because they had to. Um, and that's not to say that you couldn't make really great new creative vids for House. But I feel like Starsky and Hutch has an almost like infinite possibility for like the variety of scenes, the tone you want to go for. Like, I just feel that the, the source material gives you a wealth of possibilities that other shows might not necessarily give you. It's also a very physical show, and that helps too, because a lot of the best scenes between House and Wilson, to use your example, are conversations. And the content is not necessarily immediately evident when you strip when you strip the audio. But with Starsky and Hutch, every touch, every cradle, every longing look, every <laughs> um, just casual physical contact is there for the taking and that makes it incredibly vidable. Yes, the dialogue is also great and I like when vids use snippets of dialogue, but it's a show that relies so much on the physical comfort between the two leads that it makes for great vidding. What can I add? Those are great points. Uh, I just love watching them. Um, I'm new to vidding myself. Um, to trying out vidding. So I've been really interested in seeing what clips get used a lot and what clips don't get used often. And I've actually found myself attracted to side character vids a lot, usually ensemble pieces. Um, but we have just, we see such great characters also outside of Starsky and Hutch. Um, like from, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> we've been drinking a little. <laughs> um, we get such good physicality from these side characters as well. Um, not only in a, like we get their appearances that are often striking, and we get their interactions, uh, we get their reactions, um, both with Starsky and Hutch and their own reactions. Um, so there's a lot to mine there. Definitely. I, I do plan to make some Starsky and Hutch vids, and... I have like three or four songs that I feel like I definitely want to use and at least one of them will be Hutch point of view and him 
kind of evaluating his place in the world. That makes it sound a lot more high concept than it actually is, but uh, as I'm watching the episodes or rewatching the episodes, uh, there are so many like really colorful side characters that that our heroes interact with that uh, I really look forward to using in vids. Should we should we share a, a smattering of the titles for this podcast that we did not go with? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, I will start by saying that uh, all three of us really love the episode Death in a Different Place. Um, I, I think all three of us are interested in sort of the queer history that that's shown in that episode. Um, and so one of our first top contenders was the Green Parrot or Happy Hour at the Green Parrot. I suggested Zebra 3 since there are three of us, but there are so many wonderful things in this fandom already called Zebra 3 that that felt uh, a little bit too easy. Did I steal yours? I think you might have come up with the Green Parrot. I mean, there's no issue with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I just kept, like, throwing more things at the wall. At one point, I was, like, eating glazed donuts on the soul train. <laughs> and Monica and Rachel were just like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. <laughs> like, Trino talks. Um, Bay City Babes. <laughs> Bay City Babes. Now, that one I was, I was a little disappointed we didn't go with, but <laughs> I felt it just, it's... It, I feel weird calling myself a babe <laughs> in any context. <laughs> I, I modified it to Bay City Broads, but... I liked that one better, but it still didn't feel right. You said it sounded too much like Broad City. It's true. Uh, yeah. Were there, were there other suggestions that we had gone with? I don't remember. Variations on the number three, Sweet Alice three... Sweet Alice's Restaurant. Yes, there we go. That's the crossover (laughs) podcast. Or Sweet Alice Isn't Dead. I don't know how many uh, (laughs) Welcome to Night Vale and Alice Isn't Dead fans there are out there, but uh, I feel like Sweet Alice could fight supernatural evil. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like the guys from Supernatural, which like, you know, she She could also fight them. (laughs) I don't know why. Okay, this is my pitch. I don't know who's running Supernatural right now. I know it's still going, though, on its, like, 12th season. Okay, next season, though. The boys are possessed, and who comes but Sweet Alice? And now, but no, see, she's not the young Sweet Alice she used to be. Now she's an older Sweet Alice, more experienced, taking down all the supernatural things. She, uh, what do you do with demons? I don't know. She gets rid of them anyway, and then she takes over, and then it's the Sweet Alice show. I don't know. You know, season them nicely. Bittersweet Alice. Oh. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) I desperately want this now, much more than I did before. (laughs) I like Bittersweet Alice. That should definitely be the title of a character study. I like it. Sweet Alice in Wonderland. There's a lot you can do with the name Alice. It's, she's great. It's such a great name. Yeah. Was that a natural ending point? I don't know. I'm, I still want to pick up the cat and ask her her opinion. <laughs> she looks really cute right now. <laughs> she does. She's curled up and she doesn't really speak on command like Dwarfe does. Unless you yeah, like torture will. her. You pick her up and then she screams at you. Not necessarily. Look, look. 
Okay, that, the mic might have caught that. Well, um, this is Callie. Callie, Callie is the, the fourth after this three, but she's a cat, so she's not going to have much to say. One of the things I like about me and V and three, and I can't remember if I've brought this up to you guys before, but um, apparently in Victorian times, there was a, a thing called mitzpah jewelry, and it was a prayer that was God watch over me and thee when we are apart or something to that extent. And it was popular in Victorian times. Then there was a resurgence of popularity during World War One and World War Two, And it was basically like friendship necklaces where it would be a silver disc with this prayer cut in half. So each person had half. And that uh, sweethearts during wartime would each take a half. And the idea was God would watch over, you know, your sweetheart will hear she was, you know, in a different country from you or whatever. And apparently in the 70s, they had another resurgence of popularity. Um, not as big as the ones before, but uh, so there's some possibility that when Hutch says, who do we trust? And Starsky says, like always, me and thee, that he's referencing uh, this mitzpah jewelry which I think is cool since we know Starsky was a Vietnam War vet. Um, and I, I don't know it's possible that it's not a reference to that, but I like the idea that it could be and that Starsky and Hutch sort of have this covenant together. Um, I, I read a fic that explored that idea when Rachel is nodding. So Rachel has read that fic too. And I just was really taken with that idea. And also just it's cool that like there are all these trends that like people in the 70s might be nodding along saying oh yeah I remember those but I had no idea that was a thing that existed and uh, so I liked learning that insight to Starsky whether or not it actually is the canonical reason he said that I like to think it is I did not know that until you just said it and now I like imagining these romantic best friend necklaces Yeah, that they metaphorically have they should have real ones I feel like Starsky and Hutch should have best friend necklaces. Well, in this fic, Starsky's mom sends him a mitzvah keychain and tells him to give half of it to Hutch, which he does. So Good old Ma Starsky. Yeah, I love it when she's in fic. <laughs> she's my favorite fan and character. Any final thoughts? We are recording this on Rachel's birthday, or when we celebrated Rachel's birthday, and today we went bowling, and our bowling names were Starsky, Hutch, and Huggy. So that should tell you what kind of nerds we are. Uh, and because we're that kind of nerd, uh, each of us, we look forward to continuing to share our thoughts on Starsky and Hutch and related things as episodes progress. And we hope that you'll continue to join us for those. Bye. Bye. Bye.
infernal Mais eux disent où ils sont cachés 